This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the office of the National Association of Corporate Directors. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Shirley Mary Hertzbach, and Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions. Jim, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Sure. This morning, Herb, we have Harvey Wiener, partner of Starry Associates, Panaka Patel, CEO of IT Concepts, Mike Stankus, partner at Hertzberg & Company, and Brian Murdoch, president and CEO of Strategic Investment Group. Let's get to know our first guest, Harvey Wiener partner at Starry Associates. Harvey, what is Starry Associates? What are you guys doing? Uh, Starry Associates has uh, been in business for about 37 years. We are an IT services and uh, consulting firm, how primarily for the federal, uh-huh. federal sector. And how large or how small is this organization? We are about 120, 130 people. And where are you from originally? Uh, Philadelphia. How many brothers and sisters? I have an older brother and an older sister. So you're the youngest of three. I'm the youngest of three. And what, was, what kind of sports were you playing as a kid? And what was going on with you with sports? I love tennis. Our whole family played tennis, uh, with the exception of my mom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, family thing. And you were you were playing tennis, and what was going on with the tennis court and the tennis club and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Well, we had a summer tennis club at our uh, local school, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to work there and play there for many, many years. So you worked there and played there for many, many years. And what kind of work and playing there did you do? What are you talking about? Well, uh, would fill in uh, with the with the. Uh, with the members uh, for games, would clean up the uh, courts, would ca- you know, grab balls, would assist the pro, assist the pro in uh, lessons, individual lessons, group lessons, and so forth. Pretty much everything you can imagine uh, at a small tennis club. So you had a reputation of being there and being helpful and doing whatever it took. I tried. Yep. Uh-huh. Why did you do that? I love the people year to year. We get to know them very, very well, and it was almost like a so family. You- uh, so you do. You did a little bit of everything there, and you did it for a long period of time. You said you mentioned from 13 until you graduated high school. What's that have to do with your role? It says here that you're a partner at Starry Associates. Uh, well, Starry is a s- smaller business, and when you're with a smaller business, you have to do pretty much everything. You're responsible for, for generating business. You're responsible for delivering business, managing. Uh, so just like working at the club, so do you doing really, a little bit of everything. So you really see a parallel between what you were doing in 13, 18, and what you're doing nowadays? I think as long as you feel like you take responsibility for, for everything, um, then that translates from the high school jobs to uh-huh. grown-up jobs. All right, Mark, what do you got? So Harvey, uh, your group of friends growing up, mm-hmm. what was your role in that group? Well, I was the youngest uh, of three children, and I was the youngest in my group of friends youngest cousin, pretty much the youngest, pretty much of everything. <laughs> so, How big was the group? Uh, we had about uh, five, six, seven people, depending mm-hmm. on who was around. And what was your main set of activities? Uh, we, would, uh, we would, you know, at that time, you could go out and just play and play all day. So we'd, we'd do organized games and uh, um, ride bikes, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of organized games, though. You're still in touch with the... People in that group? Absolutely. Lifelong friends. Well, uh, lifelong friends. What's that have to do with how you're building this business? Well, I think, you know, everybody is, is, is valuable. And the people that I work with even today, uh, I've worked with for many, many years. Uh, one over 20 years, another at least 15 so these but are all I, long-term I, I, I uh, relationships. The, I thought I read in the newspapers that business all is all blood and guts and people suing everybody else. But it doesn't sound like that's the way you run things. It's not like I would like to run things, mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is, yes, you've got to be tough in business, uh-huh. but uh, it's not my preference. Uh-huh. I'm the soft, tend to be the softer, sensitive guy. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like, you know, when you were a kid, one of the younger kids, but you wanted to get along with everybody, but sometimes you had to protect yourself. Jim, what are, what are you thinking? Harvey, what did your dad do? 
My dad was a federal judge for over uh, almost 40 years. So you had shared in the green room that he had a pretty uh, extensive career. He did. So what other types of things did he do? He was a uh, assistant DA in Philadelphia. He was uh, the majority and minority leader of the Pennsylvania State Senate for 10 years. He ran his own law firm and was appointed by Lyndon Johnson as a federal judge, um, which he served uh, until the day he died. So what, did you, what have you learned from your dad that you bring to work today? Uh, continued education, work ethic, but I think the most important thing is public service. And that's why my clients are primarily federal, federal government clients. I'm very proud of the delivery that we do uh, for the federal government and making a difference. So you have a passion around that. So from what you learned from your dad, how does that influence the culture that you've built at the company? I think continuing education is always important. I mean, he, he continued his own education throughout his, his whole career. Uh, we're always learning new things in technology and not to limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. Shirley, what are you thinking? It sounds like your dad was a very accomplished man. How did that influence you? Well, it was <laughs> he, he was very accomplished and a very hard, tough act to follow. Um, but I'm I'm proud that you know all three of us you know, did him did him proud. And do you feel? I think you mentioned earlier that you were always trying to accomplish as much as he did. Do you feel that you're still doing that in today's role? I, I think when you are in business and when you have a family and when you have uh, you know. I have kids with some special needs, and, and you're, you're always trying to do as much as you can in the 24 hours that you, you've got in a day. Mm -hmm. Would your father feel that you have accomplished as much as he has? Um, n not as much as he had, but I think would he would be proud with how much ah, he, I have accomplished. I'm really happy about, so about that. Why, why do you think he'd be proud of you? I, I think he might have underestimated um, as the youngest and maybe a little bit less hardened than my my you know older siblings who were solid solid students and, and what would solid. that be proud of why would he be proud of you I, I think of my well-rounded life I think uh, the fact that I have a you know successful career that I have a wonderful family and have a terrific home mm -hmm. life and so how, how's your wife um, how's your wife affected you we're going to be married 30 years this year so uh, she's you know, my best friend, partner. Um, she's very accomplished in her own right as that's an interesting. attorney. You know, you, you keep on talking. It's interesting. You, you know, you really impressed me as the kind of guy that's a bonded kind of guy. It's like you don't want conflict. And, you know, unfortunately, you hear a lot of you hear a lot of stuff in the news about how CEOs and business is all about conflict. But that's not the way you want to operate. By the way, you mentioned earlier that um, about family trips as opposed to going to Disneyland, you, you guys went different. We did that too. But we <laughs> what, what, what kind of trips did you take? What kind of special trips we, did we you We took take? some pretty amazing. I'm, I'm so fortunate uh, to have grown up this way. I mean, I, I count my blessings. We did trips to, uh, we took East African safaris. We went to Ethiopia. We went to Egypt. We went to throughout Europe, um, South America. We went through, you know, my, my dad wanted to do all the national parks. He was so proud of the country that he wanted to show us as much of it as so you can. do traveling you run around this country as well as, as well as around the rest of the world what yeah. would that do to you how'd that affect you well i think you know being able to see and experience uh different people and and uh, different things and you know culture and how people live i think he always wanted what us did to you see like about that how'd that affect you uh, i think it just makes you a little you know look look up and as opposed to looking down all the time what do you mean you know? well i think there's there's a sense of uh, understanding how the world how the world works and what you can be uh, grateful for and what you can what you need to do to improve things. Does travel broaden? Travel has broadened my ex you know, my experience. And what was and this it, thing about walking with you? What was this <laughs> thing about walking when you were on these trips? Well, my dad loved for us to walk everywhere. He he never felt that we could see enough by. Uh, taking taxis or even at the end of a long, Why long not? Day. You get to see more if you take a taxi. <laughs> I think he felt, and I, you know, as time goes on, I agree that you really miss, miss things when you are, you know, driving by at 30, 40 miles an hour. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the experience, it's all about the experience. It's all about the experience. So, so that's shaped you, huh? It has. It has. How? Personalities. How? 
Well, I, I think, you know, being among the, uh, you know, the people that you work with, people among your clients, uh, you know, you, you don't want to zip by them and, and say, hey, we're, we're done. See you later. Man, you are all about relationships, aren't you? I mean, that's why you're talking about doing everything around the tennis club when you were a kid, where people knew they could depend on you, and you've been married 30 years. You're all about relationships constantly. What's the website address of your organization? We are starry-associates.com. Let me have that another time. Starry, S-T-A-R-R-Y-associates.com. We've been speaking with Harvey Weiner, who's a partner at Sorry Associates here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment after this business spotlight. Stick around. And your name and organization is? I'm Katie Brewer with the Brewer Group. And uh, Katie, what, 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 uh, what, what does the Brewer Group do? I'm an executive leadership coach that really focuses on um, high potential leaders and building their strengths to have them achieve their strategic goals. Where are you from originally? Upstate New York. And what was going on with you as a kid in the neighborhood? Uh, I really um, enjoyed connecting with all the kids in the neighborhood and uh, figuring out which activities um, the different kids could play and which role they could play on the team. Well, I understand that, you know, wanting to connect with the other kids, that's pretty normal. But what do you mean figuring out where they could do what? What are you talking about there? So when we played games, it, different people had different skills, and I wanted everyone to be really successful, so I leveraged whoa, whoa, the strengths. Whoa, 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 whoa. When you played different games, you wanted everybody to be successful. Now, that's not necessarily normal. What are you talking about there? <laughs> well, I, I had great relationships with the kids, and, and I wanted them to each do really well. And different games played to different kids' Were strengths. Were you like the master mother of your neighborhood or something? <laughs> uh, sometimes I uh, played that role. What are you talking about? Um, you know, I, I really um, liked seeing people um, be happy and be successful in whatever they endeavor. What's that, how, how's that help somebody in running a business, their people being happy? You know, I, I think that people, a lot of people are unhappy in their jobs and may not feel as fulfilled or confident. And the more that they can be confident and fulfilled in their job, the more that it plays out to their personal What's life. What's your website address? Uh, thebrewergroup.com. How do you spell that? The Brewer Group, the B-R-E-U-E-R group.com. We've been speaking with Katie Brewer from the Brewer Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What do you, what do you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. You've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Music Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Panakin Patel, who is the CEO of IT Concepts. Panakin, what is IT Concepts? What are you guys doing? Uh, we provide IT and professional services to the federal government. We're about uh, 130 uh, employees, growing about $20 million in revenue. Ooh. And uh, you're the CEO of this company, huh? Uh-huh. Where were you from originally? Uh, originally, I'm from India. India. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the youngest of four. Um, you're the youngest of four. You're originally from India. And how young were you when you came to the United States? I was uh, eight years old when I came over. All right. So you're you're the youngest of four. You're eight years old when you came over. And I, I guess the whole family came together? Uh, no, actually, my dad came first uh, about two and a half years before uh, the rest of us did. Uh-huh. And then you guys came over? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. How did you guys support yourself? Um, so my dad uh, would send you know, a few dollars when he could while he was here. Um, and then uh, my mom did uh, various jobs, uh, including sewing and things like that, uh, in the village to support us. Really? And when you got to the United States, what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mom worked a uh, night shift uh, so she could be home with us during the day, and my dad did uh, labor jobs uh, within various companies within the New Jersey area. What kind of night shift did your mom work? What was uh, she doing? She worked at a pharmaceutical company where they bottled medicine, so she put on caps on caps uh, on, in medicine bottles. Uh-huh. What were your parents doing back in India? Uh, my dad was actually a farmer, a tobacco farmer, and my mom was a housewife in India. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, so your parents came here, you're, they did whatever they had to do to earn a living. And what was your role in the family? What kind of role did you take on in the family? I took on responsibility very early in the family. Uh, all my brothers and sisters started working at a very early age. Uh, so I was the home. I was the one at home uh, helping read mail, uh, writing checks, uh, keeping, keeping my dad's accounting and, and, and things like that in order. And How uh, young were you when you started doing this? I was about nine years old. <clears throat> you're about nine years old. You're writing checks. What else were you doing? Uh, I was also helping read all the mail and s- seeing what's important, what's not. Why were you doing that? Uh, the language barrier. Both of my parents uh, didn't necessarily speak English when they first came over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shirley? So moving at the age of eight must have been in quite the experience. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually very hard coming over, uh, making all new set of friends, learning the language itself. Uh, uh, going through school, uh, not knowing anybody, sort of being by yourself for a long time. And what what kind of what did that teach you? What did that kind of characteristics? I would say um, it, it it taught me to have tough skin uh, early on, and and uh, to make friends very early on as well, and and find and connect with people early. And how does that sort of relate to the role that you play today? Uh, as CEO, um, you know, as, as we're bringing on new employees uh, to sell the vision and, and give the direction of the company and, and to be able to interact with uh, uh, customers and our employees on a daily basis is, is probably the, uh, one of the lessons I learned very early on uh, coming into the country as well. Panaka, it sounds like you had a lot of responsibility uh, as a kid. What types of things did you do to kind of get away from that? Yeah, we had a lot of fun as well. Uh, the neighborhood we grew up in had a lot of boys, um, so uh, did a lot of sports. What sports? Uh, we played a lot of football, basketball. And which was your favorite? Uh, basketball was my favorite. Okay. What was your role as in basketball? Uh, I would usually play the uh, point forward, uh, so point guard. And what's forward. the role of the point guard? Uh, to find the best players on the team and make sure they get the ball in their hand. So, so your role was to actually assess the talent, make sure you get the ball to the right person. How do you do that today at work? Um, my ability to, 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 to read people as well as uh, uh, being able to find the best uh, talent uh, to get uh, our clients' uh, mission accomplished uh, hmm. helps a lot. Now you also mentioned that you were involved in ROTC. Why ROTC? I was. Um, early on, I joined ROTC uh, because my older brother was uh, involved in it. Uh, okay. and But you stayed with it for how long? I did. I stayed with it through college. It helped uh, pay for my college as well as uh, I joined uh, the Air Force after. So you were uh, felt drawn to join as well. Why? Um, I felt like there was a debt owed to a country that had paid us so much. Tell me more about that. Um, Growing up, uh, you know, not not having a lot, um, 
coming to a country where where there was a lot of opportunity um felt like i i owed something back where did that come from did somebody tell you about that did you owe something no not at all so where did it come from i think just uh the sense of being able to read the situations you're in and and seeing no, uh, the opportunity this feeling that you had a debt yeah. where'd that come from was that from your mom or your dad i would say uh probably my dad more. what do you mean tell us more uh my dad uh you know was a was a tobacco farmer uh sort of earned everything he had um throughout his entire life and and at the same time he made sure he gave back to the community he grew up in Mm-hmm. And now you're running a 120-person uh, company. You're the CEO. How do you think he feels? Uh, he'd be very proud. Why? Um, simply, uh, you know, coming from where we come from, uh, he counting pennies, uh, and, and to, to see uh, one of his sons um, with a $120 million organization, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, uh, 120 employees, a mm-hmm. uh, $20 million organization, mm-hmm. uh, he'd be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Mark? So you said before that uh, your parents had a convenience store? Yes. And, and you worked there? Yes. Um, did you have any one particular thing you did? Uh, no, I did a little bit of everything. I stocked shelves, uh, swept the floors. How young were you when you started working there? I was about 13 years old. All right. Mark, yeah, I'm sorry. You yeah, so, so uh, you're doing all these different things. How does it to, to change your perception about how it is to run a business? Um, as a small business owner, you've got to get involved in everything. Sometimes you've got to get your hands dirty uh, down down to the ground level as well as uh, be able to strategize and, and lead the organization, um, especially when you're growing from zero. Okay. Did you uh, pretty much leave that behind when you uh, left, left the store or do you have some of that uh, still with you in IT Concepts? I, I would say I have a lot of it with me still at IT Concepts. So, so when you worked at that store, what were you? What would you do there? You stocked the shelves and what? Swept the floor? Yeah, I stocked the shelves, swept the floor, did inventory, ran the books, uh, did all the accounting in the store as well. Did you ever work at the register? I did. I worked a lot at the register. Why? Um, simply because I knew how to interact with people very early on, being able to read the folks uh, that are coming in and out, who to sort of service where and, and how. What was the most important part of your job at that store? I would say um, being able to being able to connect with the customers that are coming in and out, especially the day-to-day customers. You learned how to read them? I did. What are you talking about? Um, just by the way folks would come in, you know exactly what they were looking for, whether they were looking to go grab a drink, whether they were looking to grab a sandwich, whether they were looking to to grab some gum or, or beers or whatever it You're was. telling me by by the watching how they walked in, either the way they walked in or the clothes they were wearing or the speed they were walking in with or whatever, that you knew what the demand was? You knew what they wanted? A little bit, yeah. What are you talking about? Give me an example. Sure, I'm, I'm sure I was wrong a couple of times, uh, mm-hmm. but you know we, we would we would always have a lot of repeat customers as well. But um, there was one customer in particular that when when the first time that she had walked in, um, I sort of knew that you know she was a smoker uh, just by kind of the itch that that she had walked in with. So I had all three, four popular cigarettes out, and and she was kind of ecstatic that we were able to salt get get her how, what she needed. How really old quick. were you? Uh, at that time, I think I was about 13 and a half. So you're 13 and a half, and you're anticipating the demands of your customers. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to making them wait for the cigarettes, you're, you're already giving her some choices up front. Yeah. yeah. Why are you smiling about that? Uh, just recalling the memories. What's that have to do with the success you're having with this business, which is 120, 130 people? I think... Um, uh, the tagline of our business is uh, driven to deliver, and uh, we're, we're constantly looking at, at ways to make sure we meet our clients' uh, uh, needs and requirements. What the, Driven to deliver? It is. You think it comes from that experience with that customer and customers like that at the, at the convenience store? I believe so, a little bit. What do you mean? Um, it's, it's a little bit of, of, of what our customers' requirements are as well as, as the personality of the, uh, the, the owners in the business as well. What's the website address for this organization known as IT Concepts? Useitc.com. U-S-E-I-T-C.com. Let me have that one more time. Useitc.com. We've been speaking with Benakin Patel, CEO of IT Concepts, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break.
Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. This is John Schuhart. Join us, joining us for our business spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So, what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county, and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I, and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like, like they're our, our friends. So, so we get to come in and, and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy. And that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is CelebrateFairfax.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mike Stankus, who's a partner at Hertzbach & Company. Mike, what is Hertzbach & Company? What are you guys doing? We are a full-service public accounting and consulting firm. And uh, how large or how small is this organization? About 165 people. All righty. And where are you from originally? I grew up in Wolcott, Connecticut. How many brothers and sisters? I have a younger brother. And 8 to 14, what kind of stuff were you doing? 8 to 14, a lot of sports. That was the, that was my childhood. 8 to 14, you were doing a lot of sports. And what was your favorite sport? Uh, my favorite was baseball. Mm-hmm. What was your role on the team? Uh, when I was young, I was a catcher. And mm-hmm. as I got older, I moved to first base. Would you like be, why did you like being the catcher? I, the catchers can, controls the infield, controls the flow of the game. Um, you're calling pitches. Uh, I think that was a, How young were you when you were the catcher? Oh, gosh, uh, probably from 7 to 14. Did you realize you had these personality traits just then, or were they just sort of inbred in you? I don't, I, I don't think I was as self-aware then. Hopefully uh-huh. I'm more now. But you were doing it, huh? Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that you became a first baseman. Why did you become the first baseman? Ah, uh, that started freshman year of high school. Why? Uh, I was a I was a hitter, uh-huh. and we had uh, we had older senior junior catchers that were stronger defensively than I was, and <laughs> first base was a, a good fit to to get me in the lineup and play. So you're able to play a lot of different roles in an organization, aren't you? I yes, you wear a lot of hats. Uh huh. What's that have to do with your role as a partner at uh, partner at Hertzbach and Company? I, I guess it's like a catcher. I mean, you're you're coordinating between clients and staff and internally. Yeah. Do you ever play first baseman? 
Uh, yeah, I would say I do. So, uh, so you do a lot of different things in your role as a partner at Hertzbach and Company. Absolutely. Uh huh. Just wanted to make sure I understood, Mark. So every American stereotypical kid wants to be a firefighter when they grow up. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, primarily, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Why? Why? Why that? I uh, I guess it's 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 people listening to people talking to people um, that I went to college to be a psychiatrist. Was there an example or a family friend or something or it just intrigued you? Uh, it was intriguing. It was intriguing. Um, you know, I did have a lot of close relationship in high school. Um, I thought dealing with different groups of people, different personalities, types of people. Uh, I thought I was always pretty good at that, and and I thought that would lend itself well to. Uh, helping people so you're not practicing psychiatry right now but I'm, what did, I'm not what did you bring um sort of the personality the values the the attributes that a, a psychologist or psychiatrist would do how do you bring that to hearts back uh, I, I think it's a lot of a lot of listening um uh, dealing with people finding answers to problems um, on a day-to-day -day basis I, I have about 20 partners um, everybody does something a little different in the company, and I think you know, f finding my role and coordinating and being in the middle of all that is sort mm -hmm. of that personality. As, as one of many partners, each of whom has their own view of the world, uh -huh. how do you approach challenges or, or potential conflicts with your with your partners? Uh, staff. I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a step back and think about it first type mm -hmm. of person. I I don't necessarily <laughs> dive right in, um, form my ideas, come up with what what I think is right and I think I work best in a team environment. Mm -hmm. So anytime there's the ability to pull a group of people together with different complementing skills, I think is uh, important. Okay. To Do you think you're a pretty good problem solver uh, because of that? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I, I think with help, I think pull, pulling, in, pulling in the right people, um, finding answers to solutions. You may not know all the answers yourself. Most of the time you don't. Um, but you know, knowing people that, that can, I think, is important, working with smart people. Mm-hmm. Jim? So what did your dad do? Uh, my dad was self-employed. He owned a rigging and material handling company. What type of work is that? Uh, it's it's uh, a lot of moving machinery, building building things, um, building pallet rack systems. It's, it's greasy. It's dirty. It's physical. So did you ever work for him? I did. I started working for him in my teens. And what did you learn from that experience? Um, I learned hard work. Uh, I learned what it was like to get up early in the morning and be out in the cold or, or covered in grease. Um, I, I learned what that was like, what it took. Um, you know, one thing my dad also did as a, as a boss, you know, he, he paid us for a day's work when the job was done. So if we got that job, job done early, we still got, got paid and got out of there. So I think you learn efficiency. Uh, that, that was something that, that he did being, being smart planning and, and, being efficient. So that hard work ethic, that being smart, how do you bring that to your job today? Uh, I, I think it, it shows in what I do. I mean, your job, job has to get done. So you gotta, you gotta stay and do it. Um, that, that I think is, is, uh, something I, I do every day and you don't really think about it that, that you learn it as a kid, but that, you know, that was my, my dad, he, he works hard and yeah, still does. It sounds like he also right. understood people. He had that psychiatrist in him, understanding how to incentivize folks in order to get the job done, get everybody you know working together on the same team. He kept you moving, that was for sure. Yeah, he he, he like dealt with customers, and, and he, he got jobs done. Sounds to me it's a lot like what you're doing, isn't it? It, it is, yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about your mom. What did she do for a living? Uh, my mom, she works administrative office for a car dealership. Uh, she's been there 45 years. And what are some of the characteristics that she instilled in you? Uh, she was great. She worked part-time when we were kids. Um, so she, she took care of us. She was, you know, primary caregiver, um, kind, loving. I mean, it was a, a great, great family life growing up. And do you find that these are traits that you bring with you to work now? I try to. I mean, it's certainly things that I that I bring to my own kids and in, in my life. And, uh, you know, at work, I think some of that leads to that learning empathy and trying to put put yourself in someone else's shoes. And, you know, something that may not may not seem important to you may be extremely important to someone else. And I think that that helps, again, go back to the conflict question from earlier. I think that helps deal with conflict and, and reach compromise. 
and collaboration. And collaborate, for sure. Uh, what do you like best about your job, Mike? Uh, I think dealing with clients, client relationships, asking questions, solving problems. Um, wait, 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 it's wait, always I, different. But you're an accountant, right? So you're supposed to be a genius with numbers. Isn't that what you're supposed to be really good at? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of things. Um, you know, we're working with all of our clients are, are small to mid-sized businesses. So uh, there's a lot of problems that come up in business that are outside of getting a tax return done or getting a financial statement prepared. Why, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that your clients talk to you about stuff aside from their tax return and their specific business issues? Absolutely. I mean, business issues, absolutely. But, but I mean, it's, you know, for a small business owner, for the most part, their business is their life as they're growing their business. And, and all you're, you're a part of it. We want to be part of the team. I mean, it works better. It's not a, it's not a send over your, your stuff and we deal with it once a year. So you have personal relationships with your clients. Absolutely. You get to know their deep, dark secrets, don't you? Sometimes. Uh-huh. You enjoy that. I, I enjoy being able to help. So you enjoy being a trusted soul. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And you understand uh, because, you know, there's no one person who could be a genius with everything with accounting. You understand how to pull in the other experts. Oh, of course. I mean, it's a, it's a, there's so much involved. I mean, look at the last year with tax reform and all the changes involved there and um, you know, we have a, a huge team. Everybody does something better than somebody else. And it, that's what that's what enables us to provide service. So you so you really you're, you're like, well, it sounds to me like you're like the catcher. You're trying to figure out, you know, you're trying to control the infield on this thing, aren't you? That's a good analogy. Yes. Uh huh. And you really enjoy that. You really enjoy whether it's quarterbacking or catching. It's the same stuff to you. It's really understanding what the client's needs are and then figuring out how you like helping people is what it comes down to. 100%. When you were working with your dad when you were 15, didn't that stink because, you know, all your friends were playing and you had to go work with your dad? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it was it was hard work. It was money. Uh, you know, I ne needed the money. Why did you do up. it? Why did you I? wanted to help your dad? That was part of it. Um, part of it was helping my dad. Part of it was, was for me. It was just, you know, I grew up with a father having his own business, and, and it made it allowed me to be a part of something. It sounds that, to me like you've got your own business, even though you're part of this accounting firm. I mean, the way you treat this, it's like your responsibility, these clients. It absolutely is a responsibility. What, what's the website address for your organization? It's hertzback.com. H-E-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H.com. And that's hertzback.com. Dot com, right? Correct. We've been speaking with Mike Stankus, partner of Hertzbach and Company here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, including Mike Stankus, partner of Hertzbach and Company. And what was your website address one last time? Hertzbach.com. H-E-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H.com. Be back in a moment right after this break. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have, to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, it's balsambid.com, and, and you can download the Balsam Connect mobile app. Let me, have, uh, let me have that website address one more time. Balsambid.com. 
It's B A. Give me the spelling on that. B A L L S T O N B I D dot com. Excellent. Your name again is Tina Leone. And the name of the organization is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. And we'd like to introduce Brian Murdoch, who's president and CEO of Strategic Investment Group. Brian, what is Strategic Investment Group? What are you guys doing? We're an investment management firm. We're $30 billion in assets under management for 29 clients. $30 billion under management. Okie dokie. Where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in the New York area, so I consider myself a New Yorker. You ask people what teams they root for, that kind of tells you where they're from. Uh You consider yourself a New Yorker. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have three brothers and three sisters. I was third from the top. Three brothers, three sisters, and you're third from the top. All right. What kind of sports did you play as a kid? All of them. Uh, Mostly uh, football, basketball, and baseball, whatever was in season. Mm -hmm. What uh, What was your role in the football team? In the football team, I played quarterback. What was the personality trait you brought to being the quarterback of your football team? You're, you're sort of captaining the offense. Captaining the offense. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. Well, um, I like scoring. Winning is fun. Winning as a team is even more fun. So, And mm-hmm. I also experience what losing is about, and that's less, a lot less fun. Uh-huh. All right. Sh- um, Shirley. Uh, you mentioned that you had a job with the rec department when you were 13. What was your job? So with rec department, which is the sort of township office, uh, I got a job at 13 to be, a, uh, depending on the season, a referee or an umpire. And um, what did you enjoy most about that job? Uh, I guess mediation would probably be in a word. Um, you were working with kids because I love sports, so I get paid to do more sports. I knew a lot about sports. And I, you know, I had a lot of brothers and sisters. I coached them, so I like to help the kids play. And then you had the parents' role. 
and there were no professional coaches. It was all the volunteer parents, and so someone had to be between the coaches and um, the kids. And at 13, you were able to man that type of environment. It's not an easy one. It wasn't, um, but I was used to I came from a big family, so arbitration was something that took place a lot. There wasn't enough parenting to go around, so you had to be one of those people. I was also pretty big for my age at a young age. At, I, I'm not that big anymore, but relatively at that age, I was one of the tallest kids. And so um, i used to dealing with bullies, and, and a lot of these parents fit that category. And how do you find that that transfers into your role today? I th- yeah, you I, you are mediating things. I work in the human capital business. I'm my my pr- principal role. I think is to attract and and uh, uh, retain the best talent and get them to work collaboratively to get things done. Sort of like coaching a team. So you get all these f- famous you know star athletes on the field, but you got to keep them from killing each other in the dugout, and you got to get them out on the field playing to win. Mm-hmm. Jim, Brian, what kind of family did you grow up in? A really happy family. Um, uh, it, I, you, it was one sort of those. Uh, 1960s TV shows, so you know everything was and it was large enough that it was an entity unto itself, and so everybody cared about the family and how the family was doing and contributing to making the family more successful. And you were the third of seven, so did you just kind of follow the lead of your older brother and sister? Uh, no, so my older brother was this big, talented guy, but unconventional was the one word that captures him, and so he he wasn't always around. Uh, and my sister was a bit of a brainiac, uh, you know, very cerebral kid, and so I wound up actually being more the from a social standpoint, really the oldest kid, and, and to this day, probably the family patriarch. What was the, uh, what kind of neighborhood did you grow up in? It was, it was so, I grew up in a neighborhood of, of fairly affluent people and a lot of very famous people. And we got into the neighborhood because my father had seven kids to educate, and Scarsdale had one of the best public high schools, of, best public school system in the country, and so he thought this was good value for money. So we moved across the border out of White Plains into Scarsdale, and I could go to the best schools. So you, you moved into a neighborhood with wealthy people and famous people, and you were one, you were one of the wealthiest families. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, so how did you establish yourself, your self-esteem back then? I guess that's one of the reasons you sort of enjoyed the empire, because it gave you, you had guts, but it gave you stature? Oh, so in a big family, I, I think you, there's two things that could go on. One is collaboration you know, there's competition you have a lot of sibling rivalries from early age so you learn to be very competitive and so in school or in sports wherever I went I wanted to you know I was competitive I wanted to win to be successful and and uh, so to me you're trying to establish credibility quickly and so your reputation w- was one way to establish credibility quickly in order to you know to accomplish other things so you're you're comfortable really establishing yourself now you're managing 30 billion dollars I'm trying to figure out it's the smallest firm I've run in 20 years. Wow. So how important is reputation in terms of managing $30 billion? So uh, uh, a reputation around integrity, around ability, around investment excellence, those things are really critical. Yours is a very, very competitive industry to be in, and you're dealing with incredibly, our average client's a billion dollars in assets. This is your, um, these are dealing with very sophisticated counterparties who have to believe that you're going to be the one firm that's going to be important for their money. Growing up, who who had the reputation in your community that you looked up to? I, I you know I, a lot of famous athletes as a kid. Athletics were everything, so I knew famous sports players, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of cool. But actually, the person's reputation I cared the most about was my father's. Mm-hmm. The, all the kids, it was a pretty bunch of kind of um, often spoiled kids. But when my father spoke, they listened, mm-hmm. and that was kind of interesting dynamic because he was that kind of a guy. When he said something, you listened. Why is that? Um, he was a commanding personality. He was a Big tall Texan. Despite what you hear about Texans being about you know very bigger than life, um, they're actually fairly understated people. What most of what I know about my father what was what my mother told the family because my father never told you anything about anything. So the fact that he was this fighter pilot and he did all these really cool things as a kid, you you hear that not from him, mm-hmm. but um, but he had that presence about him that other people respected, and he he made a strong case all moments to be integrity mattered the most and the mm-hmm. courage to be honest because sometimes it takes a lot of courage to. Uh, to say what you think and so believe what you, you think. So you have an interesting family. Do, looking at you now, based on how they knew you as a kid, do they get it? Do they understand Yeah, who you they, are? Brian was the social one, so they kind of got that a bit. All my siblings were the straight-A students, and I had one brother went to Princeton had perfect board scores. Mm-hmm. I think you could do such a thing. as was a theory. So I was what I did had the other end of perfect. Um, but uh, I, So I did okay in school, mm-hmm. but relative to my siblings, not so much. Mm-hmm. 
but I managed to get through and get into an Ivy League school and do okay. Mm -hmm. And so I took all those other attributes and put them together and wound up where I am. Well, wait, 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 what satisfies you? What's the meaning? Where do you find meaning nowadays? So this may sound cliche. I, I, the pursuit of truth is something that's it's made me, is fascinating my whole life. So like natural intellectual curiosity, mm -hmm. learning, studying, reading all the time, the things I care about, the diversity of things. So I have, the clients you work with are incredibly eclectic. The people who work for me are incredibly diverse. I've lived all over the world. I'm f in, in endlessly fascinated by how things work and, and meeting people so, and culture. Uh, so all those things kind of, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. It's kind of my mot motto in life. So you, you, I asked you what satisfies you. Where do you find meaning with you? And you told me truth. Yeah. And that's interesting you mentioned that. And then you went ahead and explained it, which is this unending curiosity. And it's interesting. You're in the investment business, aren't you? Yeah. And you usually don't hear about truth, the, the pursuit of truth in the investment business. It's unfortunate, but you exemplify it, don't you? There's a lot of noise, and the trick is to find the signal. And so if you're going to be good at managing money, you have to be a contrarian. I think of myself as a master contrarian. So when everyone's going left, you have to think about going right. And, to, and it's, it's easier said than done because when it's the hardest to do, it's when it's the most important. And that's something true. That's also I, the way I think about truth. And interesting for me to live in D.C., and I have this spectacular view across the river. I see all of the, our nation's capital, and I think truth is a very rare commodity on that side of the river. What, what's the uh, story about, what, what kind of advice do you hand the new hires in your firm? I, well, I try to talk to them about patience because that's not something, first of all, young people don't have that ample supply, and I, most of all, was not that person. So I was always the kid going 100 miles an hour with his hair on fire. And So um, tell us about your wife's influence on you. Uh, so she exemplifies patience. I don't know where it comes from. We have four kids, and thank God she was the patient one. Um, I now have two grandkids, so I have a second shot at this. I think I'm doing better, but I'm, I'm not a patient guy. <laughs> so what's the best part of being a grandfather? Everything. So most things in life are overrated, but being a grandparent is nothing about that's overrated. What do you mean? Because kids are wonderful, and as you're older, you kind of you develop the, the patience and the perspective to really appreciate all the things around them, whereas as opposed to working crazy hours, never being around, and then trying to be in a hurry and expecting them to be at the same pace that you are, they're not. They're just little kids. So, and I get great joy about being around them. Well, uh, what gives you great joy? Uh, my family. That's interesting. You're managing $30 billion and you're in pursuit of the truth. What, what, what's the website address of your organization? Strategic Invest, well, actually, the, the website is strategicgroup.com. Strategicgroup.com. All right. We've been speaking with Brian Murdoch, President and CEO of Strategic Investment Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. And uh, Mr. Jim Morgan, can you please give us a rundown on who we've had on the air today, please? Sure, Herb. Today we've had Harvey Wiener, partner at Starry Associates, Panakin Patel, CEO of IT Concepts, Mike Stankus, partner at Hertzbach & Company, and Brian Murdoch, President and CEO of Strategic Investment Group. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including Marcaz, Association for Enterprise Growth, Shirley Mowry, Hertzbach, and Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, for giving me a hand structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Uh, we'd also like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today. And do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.